standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions. We are most certainly living in critical times, times of uncertainty for many. A time that we should take to reflect not only upon our spiritual condition, but also our current stance upon Bible truth. The controversy between truth and error is coming quickly to a collision, and the events before us demand that we take a closer look and examine for ourselves whether we be in the faith. It behooves us to know that we are solidly standing upon Bible truth. Is there a reason for us to hold to falsehoods and mistaken Bible viewpoints? Note carefully the following statement. The truth and the glory of God are inseparable. It is impossible for us, with the Bible within our reach, to honor God by erroneous opinions. Many claim that it matters not what one believes, if his life is only right. But the life is molded by the faith. If light and truth is within our reach, and we neglect to improve the privilege of hearing and seeing it, we virtually reject it. We are choosing darkness rather than light. Note carefully what was said. If light and truth is within our reach, and we neglect to improve the privilege of hearing and seeing it, we virtually reject it, and thus we are choosing darkness rather than light. She continued. A man is traveling and comes to a place where there are several roads and a guideboard indicating where each one leads. If he disregards the guideboard and takes whichever road seems to him to be right, he may be ever so sincere, but will in all probability find himself on the wrong road. What is our guiding board today, dear brother and sister? She added, God has given us His word that we may become acquainted with its teachings and know for ourselves what He requires of us. It is not enough to have good intentions. It is not enough to do what a man thinks is right or what the minister tells him is right. His soul's salvation is at stake, and he should search the scriptures for himself. However strong may be his convictions, however confident he may be that the minister knows what is truth, this is not his foundation. He has a chart pointing out every waymark on the heavenward journey, and he ought not to guess at anything. The question that we should ask ourselves is, are we standing on the faith that was once delivered to God's holy ones? Is it possible to think and believe we're in the truth and be mistaken? Are we willing to take a look before we find ourselves standing before princes and kings who will demand that we give an account for our faith? God would have all the bearings and positions of truth thoroughly and perseveringly searched with prayer and fasting. Believers are not to rest in suppositions and ill-defined ideas of what constitutes truth. Their faith must be firmly founded upon the Word of God, so that when the testing time shall come, and they are brought before councils to answer for their faith, they may be able to give a reason for the hope that is in them, with meekness and fear. Is our current faith true or pure religion, or is it a mixture of truth and error? Have we fallen for the greatest deception that has ever fallen upon Jehovah's people and therefore will be found teaching doctrines of devils? 
the movement that got brought out of the fallen churches in the early 1840s, who later, with those who remained loyal, became known as Seventh-day Adventists. And to these Jehovah deposited his truth. The record states, Many of our people do not realize how firmly the foundation of our faith has been laid. My husband, Elder Joseph Bates, Father Pierce, Elder Edson and others who were keen, noble and true, were among those who, after the passing of the time in 1844, searched for the truth as for hidden treasure. I met with them, and we studied and prayed earnestly. Often we remained together until late at night, and sometimes through the entire night, praying for light and studying the Word. Again and again these brethren came together to study the Bible, in order that they might know its meaning and be prepared to teach it with power. When they came to the point in their study where they said, We can do nothing more. The Spirit of the Lord would come upon me. I would be taken off in vision, and a clear explanation of the passages we had been studying would be given me, with instruction as to how we were to labor and teach effectively. Thus light was given that helped us to understand the Scriptures in regard to Christ, His mission and His priesthood. A line of truth extending from that time to the time when we shall enter the city of God, was made plain to me, and I gave to others the instruction that the Lord had given me. During the time Ellen White was alive, God used her to steer the ship of truth in the right direction, when man began to promote falsehoods among his people. She penned, I recommend to you, dear reader, the word of God, as the rule of your faith and practice. By that word we are to be judged. God has, in that word, promised to give visions in the last days, not for a new rule of faith, but for the comfort of His people, and to correct those who err from the Bible truth. The visions were given to correct those who err from Bible truth. After Alan White's death, God's people were left without a living prophet. Nevertheless, her writings along with the Bible continued to guide the loyal ones. In the 1950s, the Spirit of God moved upon a man by the name of Million Lords Andreasen to protest the changing of the atonement and the human nature of Christ. A man who not only had his credentials revoked, only to have them restored after his death. For over 100 years, Jehovah's people spoke the same pure language on this regard, that Jesus took upon himself mankind's fallen nature and the atonement had not been completed at Christ's death. Another man was moved by the Spirit of God to address the General Conference. His name, J.S. Washburn. By this time, too, all the pioneers were dead, and teachings regarding the personality of God and of His Christ that were completely foreign to Jehovah's people were increasing. Without Ellen White, or the pioneers around to continue in their protests against departing from the original views of the personality of God and of His Christ, the Kellogg class only gained ground. Many new and young Seventh-day Adventists gave credence to the doctrine of the Trinity, which later, in 1981, became the new and official doctrine of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Washburn saw this coming and penned, The doctrine of the Trinity is a cruel heathen monstrosity, removing Jesus from His true position of divine Savior and Mediator. The Father the Ancient of Days, is from eternity. Jesus was the begotten of the Father. Jesus, 
speaking through the psalmist, says, The Lord, Jehovah, has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Satan has taken some heathen conception of a three-headed monstrosity with deliberate intention to cast contempt upon divinity, has woven it into Romanism as our glorious God, an impossible, absurd invention. This monstrous doctrine, transplanted from heathenism into the Roman Papal Church, is seeking to intrude its evil presence into the teachings of the third angel's message. It is a known fact, dear brother, dear sister, that the current Seventh-day Adventist Church no longer believes or teaches some of the most important truths that God gave to the early Adventists. Hence, the production of books of a new order and the elimination of our old publications. The enemy of souls has sought to bring in the supposition that a great reformation was to take place among the Seventh-day Adventists, and that this Reformation would consist in giving up the doctrines which stand as the pillars of our faith and engaging in a process of reorganization. Were this reformation to take place, what would result? The principles of truth that God in His wisdom has given to the remnant church would be discarded. Our religion would be changed. The fundamental principles that have sustained the work for the last fifty years would be accounted as error. A new organization would be established. Books of a new order would be written. A system of intellectual philosophy would be introduced. The founders of this system would go into the cities and do a wonderful work. The Sabbath, of course, would be lightly regarded, as also the God who created it. Nothing would be allowed to stand in the way of the new movement. The leaders would teach that virtue is better than vice, but God being removed they would place their dependence on human power, which, without God, is worthless. Their foundation would be built on the sand, and storm and tempest would sweep away the structure. Are the personalities of God and of His Christ the pillar of Adventism? Note carefully what Mrs. White penned. Those who try to bring in theories that would remove the pillars of our faith concerning the sanctuary or concerning the personality of God, or of Christ, are working as blind men. The question and decision that has confronted God's servants since the first rebellion took place in heaven, the choosing of truth over falsehood, to side with Michael and remain loyal to Jehovah's saints, or to side with Satan, is now taking place upon this earth. This has been the same experience the patriarchs, prophets, Jesus, and all the reformers had to make. We too must make this choice quickly. We read, We must follow the directions given through the spirit of prophecy. We must love and obey the truth for this time. This will save us from accepting strong delusions. God has spoken to us through His Word. He has spoken to us through the testimonies to the Church and through the books that have helped to make plain our present duty and the position that we should now occupy. The warnings that have been given, line upon line, precept upon precept, should be heeded. If we disregard them, what excuse can we offer? Will we then side with an organization or men that have departed from the truths of God's Word and consciously support and back a new movement? Or will we believe the testimony of God's Spirit 
and turn back to the truths that God gave the early Seventh-day Adventist Christians. Dear brother and sister, the choice is yours.